0: Higher, baby I'm so high We will make it that so way right. Roll let's smoke, yeah. I got to get high have been high since the last song oh, la, 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 And i just did. been smoking and smoking Smoke another black one another up so that we can really ease your mind. Every time smoke a river, if everybody smoked the black will leave the mind, the work could be a better place. If everybody took a break, and we all just get wasted.
1: Good afternoon. You're listening to Cannabis Corner on WNH 103.5 FM, broadcasting live from downtown New Haven. We're streaming live on Tune In Radio and newhavenindependent.org. We're also streaming live video on Facebook. Just go to your Facebook page, hit look up New Haven Independent or Green Haven Media, and hit see first to hear all the great other programs that we have here on WNHH. It is Monday, August, not August, September the 12th, one day after 9-11, the 21st anniversary. I'm your host, Joe Lachant, and I'm joined by Mr. Lou Vega. How are you? Hey, this hey, hey, hey. Week?
2: <laughs> How are you doing, good sir? Uh, you know, just enduring in, in, the change of weather. We live in New England, so we're seeing the leaves change, and you know, finishing of crops and harvests. I'm really mm. excited about life in general.
1: You yeah, know? you know, fall yeah. is my favorite time of year.
2: Yeah, it's it's as New England as it could really get. It's one of those yeah. things that distinguishes New England from realistically the rest of the country you know
1: yeah there's this certain sure. corner that has the beautiful foliage you want to head up to Maine or New Hampshire you want to see some real beauty but yeah we do have some nice landscapes there in Connecticut and fall makes it all very colorful and the change of season you know we get back down to 60s and 70s in the weather and sometimes 50s and 40s at night but yeah man so yeah now but it's little- nice yeah, now Lou, I got to ask you. I don't want to embarrass your Pumpkin spice or apple cider?
2: Uh, I haven't done pumpkin spice or anything. I'm an apple cider guy. New England is kind of where it's at, you know. Um, I agree. If you're ever in that Derby, Shelton, Monroe area, stop at one of the stop at one of the stop at one of the farms or something that that are actually pressing their own cider that are actually getting things going. You know what I mean? So. We have yeah. that super
1: local. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm a cider guy myself. And there was a spot I used to go to right in Shelton. It was called Beardsley Orchards. Oh, I
2: love their cider. They just integrated a, uh, a whiskey mill, in all honesty.
1: Yeah, I remember seeing that last time I was there, that they were opening one in 2022. So that's good. <laughs> so, yeah, people ought to look around. And, and, of course, if you like pumpkin spice, there will be plenty of pumpkins out there to be picking soon. But for me, you know, realistically, there's no pumpkin (laughs) in pumpkin spice, dude. All they do is add the spice. But anyway, (laughs) you can buy pumpkin pie spice at the store and put it in yourself. Yeah, you're right. But
2: I like the cider and then the donuts go with it. And it's a whole thing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's pretty cool when you go to an orchard and they've got warm apple cider and they have... Donuts that are either warm or ready to go, and you can watch them entire, cook. Them. Yeah, it becomes an entire thing. And realistically, what's better than smoking a joint? <laughs> enjoying a little bit of cider or something on on an open field it's pretty relaxing and a
1: nice donut you're right yeah
2: you really can't be too mad about all that i used to do it
1: all the time brother (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm thinking about making a trip back in october so i'll let you guys
2: well we'll see i know that we'll see that happen and there's a lot of people that you know all those outings outings and everything that everybody's doing just wait till you see a nice uh apple orchard on there you know what i mean I look oh that wouldn't it be nice years. to
1: do an event at an apple orchard
2: you know what? infused the, the cider
1: high, dude well
2: the you know we talk about height the what is it height the high chef that does the uh experiences in new york yeah i think they just did uh they do like all those experiences which are really cool because that's where you get something like that i know upstate new york is full of apple orchards and the hemp farms that are up there are also on Apple Orchards. And now some of them have full cannabis licenses and it's pretty cool. Yes. So, like that's something like if you go up and visit Ananda farms, you know
1: what I mean? Right, right, right. So, yeah, that's it. You gotta get out there and visit other farms, and even some of the Connecticut hemp farms, you know? Yeah. They just don't they... have the
2: same experience. We're not legally allowed to serve the same way.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Imagine of course going not.
2: up to like Hudson Valley and um going there and there's a lot of hemp farms that got transferred over to cannabis farms that are also doing regular
1: um regular farming too right regular farming exactly so yeah
2: it keeps it pretty open
1: yes it does so speaking of events i know we're not doing the calendar anymore but there are a few i want to highlight that are coming up this week we always Um, love doing yeah Uh, so this Wednesday over a Q over Q, quality over quantity, our good friend Brian over there has a puff and paint going on. Oh, want to check that out. He's got the local market there, too. And then on Saturday is a big day. Uh, we have uh-huh. the Boston Freedom Rally that starts at noon. That's up at the Boston Commons. Unfortunately, I won't be there this year, but I was last year. And I got to tell you, again, they are, it looks like they're going to have a real good bang up day. They're going to get everything in on one day. It starts at noon. I've been seeing a lot of good vendors and a lot of good speakers that are going to be up there. Uh, So I think if you got time on Saturday, take a ride up to Boston uh, and check that out. It's always an awesome time. And I know there will be a lot of Connecticut representation there. So you will see a lot of your friends. You know what, I completely spaced on that. It's my weekend with the kids, so I will not be there. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, so there's also, if you do stay local in Connecticut, there's a paint paint and puff at the Grove, my old place there at seven o'clock on Saturday night. And then if you feel like meditating over at Q over Q again, they have a nice something called meditate and medicate. So, and they're going to give you some free joints. You smoke them up and do some meditation. Uh, I think they have an instructor there. And I believe gonna...
2: that's all CBD,
1: right? CBD, um, and then uh, I think on Sunday there is Gene Traders in Boston. So if you want to spend the weekend that's up there, right. from one to five, you want to spend the whole weekend there. Saturday you go to uh, the Freedom Rally, then Sunday you go to the Gene Traders events and pick up your genetics. And then if you're really ambitious, you stay for the whole week and do Boston Cannabis Week. But we'll talk about that more on the next Monday's show. But we already had a whole show dedicated to that. Right. So
2: then there's just the entire Boston Cannabis Week that kind of pushes forward from that.
1: Yeah. So Saturday, Saturday is kind of the kickoff with the Boston Freedom Rally. Then you got Gene Traders and then boom, Boston Cannabis Week all week.
3: Right.
1: So it's it's a good week for New England. And hopefully someday we'll see that in Connecticut. Uh, There are always a lot of private parties going on. Um, You know, you can find the promoters on Instagram or Facebook. uh, But there's usually something going on every night of the week. But uh, you'll have to check that out for yourselves. Uh, Okay. So we're waiting on our guest. But before I wanted, before he comes in, I wanted to just cover a couple things, Lou. Um, Yeah, what's up? I see that the Social Equity Committee has approved for their second provisional license three new uh, cultivators. And uh, again, it looks like they're doing the same thing as they did with the first one. Um, the first person who was approved is actually a Hartford City Councilwoman. So, but at least she's a Connecticut resident. The second one is a Florida-based MSO. uh, And I don't know how they got it, but as a social, you know, equity person, I guess uh, um, they got it. And then, yeah, Florida, two Florida, a Florida and Chicago resident. I'm not going to say their names. And then, uh, okay, this one is a Hartford resident. So out of the three, uh, two of them actually are funded by out-of-state MSOs. So we see where this is headed. And then they also gave 11 more cannabis companies approval for social equity status. There were six joint venture realtors.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: One delivery service and one microcultivator were denied. Two product manufacturers were approved and one was denied. One food and beverage manufacturer was approved and four were denied. One transporter was approved and one was denied. One hybrid retailer was approved. I believe that was Theraplant. And then uh, the names of the companies won't be available until their applications are forwarded. So, and those ooh, were
2: all. So those were all lottery. Uh, so the they were part. social equity
1: were all, lottery. Social right. equity lottery. Yes. So
2: now that those companies were not approved, they have to go back and fill some of those numbers.
1: <clears
2: right. <clears <throat> so it keeps it. It becomes a whole. Now I'm looking at things. these. It
1: seems like they're denying more people than they're approving.
2: Um. Uh, you know it is what it is at this point i can't really make a comment either way with that so
1: right right like i understand your position but um you know i you know i kind of was talking to jason about this and i honestly can say that if i had known that this is the way it was going to go that this is how they were going to do it i would not have supported that bill the way that i did I mean, in in honesty, yes, we got home grow. Yes, we got some social equity provisions in name only. And yes, we got some expungement. But, you know, in my eyes, the state is really not on the ball with this. You know, that's the nicest way I can put it. They're just really, really not on the ball with this. And I don't think that they're taking care of Connecticut residents the way they should. That's just my opinion.
2: Yeah, I guess. I don't know if you know it is it is what it is and we'll see what happens. That's the best we can really <laughs> That's the say, best right? we
1: can do. We, you know. But I guess uh,
2: there's a bunch of great people doing as much as they can do to fight as they fight. So let them, everybody. Yeah, let them do it. I've,
1: I've, I've said it before on this show. I've already, I don't think I'll ever talk to another legislator again unless I see him out in a social situation. I feel like I've done my part and I will continue to do my part on the radio (coughs) for as long as I can. It looks like our
2: guest joined us, Joe.
1: Yes, sir. All right. So let's bring our guest on. With us today is Mr. Bill Hall. And Bill is a working class dad. He's got tons of management experience. And he's tired of the duopoly, taking 40% of his earnings and trying to legislate their values into his life. So, Bill is the Libertarian Party candidate for the US Congress District 2. And he's also a member of the Libertarian Party Elections Committee. And he's a former SEC member. And he also works with Aaron Lewis for Connecticut, who is the gubernatorial candidate for the Libertarian Party. So, Bill, how are you today? Welcome to the show. It's always great to uh, talk to somebody from another side of the aisle. So how are you today
3: doing? Are you muted? We can't hear you, Bill. Unmute. there you go can you hear me now yes sir i i i was just saying it's great to have an opportunity to talk to you here because it sounds like i won't be able to in the future if i actually become a legislator you you just said you weren't going to talk to me anymore joe we, uh, well i'll know, talk we to you on the around. air <laughs>
1: <laughs> i just don't want to be calling people anymore and bugging them um, right on, you know but uh, no of course i'll always talk to you on the air and and of course now uh if you win, then that might be a different story. So tell me a little bit of District Two. You are running for Congress, and this is on uh, the state or the federal level.
3: Uh, the federal level, yeah. This is okay. U.S. Congress District Two. So basically, everything east of the river.
1: So we're talking uh, Rosa Deloro people, right? Is that or do you? Is that a that's? She's a senator. No, she's a uh, no. rep.
3: I'm up against Courtney. Oh, Joe
1: Courtney. Joe Courtney. Great. Yep. Great, great. All right. So you are the Libertarian candidate. And for those who don't know, the Libertarians are a third party. And they've been around for how many years now, Bill? Uh,
3: about 50. About
1: 50 say. years. Okay. So, and yeah, and you guys have, you always put up a candidate. Um, for Governor in Connecticut, I always see a, a gubernatorial candidate from the Libertarian Party, as well as a presidential candidate every year. Yes. Um, and so when we I read your bio, the first thing you talked about was the duopoly. So maybe people don't understand what the duopoly is. Why don't you explain a little bit about the duopoly that exists? Because in my eyes, it's a monopoly. But uh, let's, uh, let's hear it. <laughs> well,
3: you no, know, at the end of the day, uh, we were never meant to be strictly a two-party system, but that's what it certainly has evolved into. And the way I see it now, you've got these two controlling parties uh, very much playing team sports. And uh, really at the end of the day, whether it's the Republicans or the Democrats, they're both doing the same thing. They're both mm-hmm. over overtaxing us and then taking that money to very ineffectively attempt to legislate their personal set of morals or values into our lives, right? right. So if uh, it's the left that's uh, involved, um, you know, you get... Um, sanctuary states and and social programs and these things. If it's the right that's involved, you will <laughs> get uh well left and right you get warmongering. Forty percent of every dollar we pay in taxes goes to warmongering, but that's a another that's subject. That's another, another story. Way. Um you know, but you you go to the right and, and it's the opposite. They want to build walls and they want to, you know, shut down abortion. And and like I said, it, it's all just using our money to try to legislate their morals into our lives. It, Libertarian stance is let people be, you know, I, I always call being a libertarian being a hip publican. Right. Half right. Be half Republican. You do you right. You know what's best for your family. You know what makes you happy. Everyone's personal lived experience. It can't be wrong. That's your experience. And as long as what you're doing doesn't harm me or, or, or cost me money, then do it. You know, God bless you. Go for it. Um, you know, so that's where the libertarian stance on the cannabis issue comes around is that um, I'll say it every time somebody asks drug use and addiction issues are a healthcare issue, not a criminal issue. Right. And what we've done all these years with the war on drugs and, you know, take someone and, and rather than helping them through a situation, weigh them down now with a criminal record and make it harder for them to get a job and incarcerate them where all they're going to learn to do is become better criminals. Um, once the system gets a hold of you and really for cannabis, when I come down to the package store and get myself liquored up any night I want, and and we've done all this to people over cannabis, I, it breaks my heart.
1: Yeah, it broke my heart, too, because I I am a veteran of the war on drugs. So I understand how that system can suck you in. And, uh, you know, really, I'm lucky I got out of it, uh, but it took five years. I was in that system for five years because of, you know, drugs. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't anything else but drugs. But um. You know, so I do get it. And that's one of the things that spurred me on to be an activist, because I believe the war on drugs has failed. Um, I know the libertarians have a a pretty open stance on drugs in general. True?
3: Correct. We we believe in the decriminalization of of all drug use. Right. And again, that's not saying that we encourage it. That's not saying that we want people out on the street corners shooting up. Right? That's saying that again, it's a healthcare issue. It's not a criminal issue. So if we can at the very least decriminalize it and when you have somebody that's going through these addiction problems, take the money that we would have used to incarcerate them and help them with their issues, help them get better, um, be kind. It's really what we need to be doing, you know? Because if it was our son or daughter that was in that position, we think very differently. And and that's one of the situations I actually kind of gotten a little back and forth with somebody on Facebook this morning and uh, you know, and and we were talking about victimless crimes. Right. And my contention is that drug is a victimless crime, unless you're getting behind the wheel and endangering others. But again, that can happen with alcohol, which is perfectly legal. Right. Mm -hmm. It happens more Um, with
1: alcohol than any other drug.
3: Yep. Absolutely. So, you know, I went back and forth with this and he's just adamant that, you know, the drug user is a, is a bad person and, and they've done wrong and it's morally reprehensible. And I said, well, we can agree to disagree. I will simply pray that no one that you love finds themselves in the grips of addiction.
0: <clears throat> right.
3: Because once <clears throat> you have that perspective, you have a different, <clears throat> a different Side of the story, you know, right? So, and, and, it's... and like I said, that's the libertarian stance: is we've got to treat this for what it is, which is not—it's not a criminal activity, you know. Now, if I have an addiction and I break into your home and then I s- then steal from you to feed my addiction,
1: that's a criminal okay, offense.
3: I'm, I'm going right. to get you for the robbery, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, okay, your robbery and possession and paraphernalia and all these other things, and throw six charges at you when you did one really bad thing. The other thing is bads being done to you and we should help you to break that cycle, you know.
1: Right, right. And and I mean that's a long road to haul. It would be it would be nice if more people thought that way. And I've always been kind of curious as you know, I, I see the libertarian point of view like you say as a hit publican. I know a lot of republicans even in Connecticut who tend to lean They'll always say, I lean more libertarian than I do with the hard line, say, you know, that guy MAGA supporter <laughs> type of, of line. And I think, unfortunately, because of that, a lot of people do get lumped into you're either blue or red. And if, you know, and if you're red, obviously, because, you know, our president says so, you're the enemy now. So, I mean, um, you know, it's, it's a tough road to hold, but I've always been curious. You guys have had some high-profile people in your party. How is it that both you, and, I, and, I, you know, and the Green Party have been around for a long time and still not a lot of traction on the federal level? You know, I know they have set rules where you have to have 15% of the polling just to get into the debates and things like that i mean how how can third parties get a little more traction is it is it a financial thing is it that you guys won't take the same big corporate money that those other parties will take i mean what is it what is it that you guys need to take that step to the next level so this country is not I mean, we're one of the few countries, unless you're a dictatorship or a communist country, who is stuck with this two party system. I yeah. mean, even Great Britain has more than one party and and even France and even Canada has more than one party. Um, and, and and they all get some sort of equal time. I mean, if you look at Parliament, it's split up between a few different parties. It's just not two parties in that parliament. Um, And I think, I mean, this is where this country is sorely lacking. And that's why we're in the position we're in, because I feel like damned if you do damned if, you know, either either way you vote, you're damned, (laughs) you're screwed. And we haven't really had any kind of third party action on a federal level since Ross Perot. And he only got in there because of his money. I mean, let's be real. Um, So. I mean, what's it going to take? What's it going to take? Because honestly, I have voted libertarian since 2012. Gary Johnson, I liked him a lot. I liked him because the first thing that stuck out with me is said he would legalize weed right away. You know what I mean? No other candidate was saying that. Gary Johnson had come out on national TV and even admitted that he was a medical marijuana user. Um, what's it going to take to get the Libertarian Party, to the next level?
3: Well, the first thing is, you know, there's a reason that we refer to it as a duopoly, right? Because what is a monopoly? It's something that has total control. In this case, you have two different parties, but once again, they exhibit total control. Um, They control, uh, you know, they, they have automatic ballot access. The laws are set up. To make it very difficult for a third party to get even on the ballot, Um, they also control the debates, right? They they carry a lot of weight. So, you know, there there's no state law, for example. Like I would love to see a law that simply said if a candidate makes ballot access, they are then, you know, supposed to be invited to the debates. Because, yeah, it's it's a number Mm. of ways. It's a number of ways. It's not just through politics. It's also through the media that they will control their messaging to make sure what they want gets out and and to make sure that those third party voices aren't heard. Um, You know, and even stuff like last couple of weeks ago, when Bob Stefanowski went to the independent party uh, meeting to try to get their endorsement, they had their own organic candidate.
1: Right. right, there is an independent
3: candidate. There is an independent candidate, um, but of course now they're taking that to court. This, that, and the other, and part of that's on the independent party for uh, endorsing so many, you know, main party candidates in the past. Um, but they had their own organic candidate this year, and so I support him. I support Bickling. Uh, I support any of the third party voices. Right. Me too. Me too. Um, so, and, and the big thing is that we have to get over the fear of defensive voting and i really like something that you said just a moment ago which is we're screwed either way right mm-hmm. and that's god's honest truth i i get into it a lot right now i mean we, we we all know where ned stands we all know what he's put us through over the last couple of years um you know, the, the libertarians are, are very much against mandating of anything.
1: Right. Good. Uh, it's
3: about personal choice and, and responsibility. Right. So we know where Ned put us. We know what he did to businesses these last couple of years. We know the fear mongering, the, the no bid contract for SEMA for. We know all that stuff. And so I get into it with people that say, well, you have to support Bob then. Why do you support Dr. Aaron Lewis? We have to support Bob because Ned is so bad. We have to get rid of him. Well, Who's to say Bob's gonna be any better? Mm-hmm. He's and, and, and echoed Ned's position on a number of things. Um, I don't have any uh, faith that he's going to be any different when it comes to bowing down to the unions, whether it be the employees' union, the teachers' unions, any things like this. So you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Why wouldn't you vote for that third party? But people get into this defense of voting, they're so scared of Ned. That they won't vote for aaron in fear of bob not getting elected when at the end of the day is it going to make a big difference and that's what has to happen is more people that don't like either candidate have to actually have the gumption to say you know what i'm gonna do this i'm gonna make this protest vote i'm gonna vote for the third party because that's the person that represents me and damn who wins because we're screwed either way Because that's that's the biggest thing that happens. We get into this cycle of defensive voting and people can love the third party candidates all day long, but they they don't have the gumption to go out and vote for them. And we need to break that cycle. And I'll tell you one thing that's a little bit promising is Ned's uh, announcement recently that he's going to look at ranked choice voting because ranked choice voting Mm -hmm that gives third parties a little glimmer because people can actually step out and vote for the person they truly like the most without the fear of that defensive voting coming into play right somebody right. could vote for aaron first and then bob is a backup and they okay if aaron doesn't make it i voted my conscience. but if he doesn't make it ned's not getting that vote you know
1: right so. right now you do work for aaron we've mentioned him a couple times Tell us a little bit about Aaron Lewis. He was uh, scheduled to come on with you. Unfortunately, he got called away on some business. But tell us a little bit about you work on the campaign. Tell us a little bit about what Aaron stands for as far as Connecticut, not just with cannabis, but yeah. with, uh, you know, taxes, with abortion, with all these hot box issues. Where does Aaron stand on this?
3: Uh Okay. Uh, where do we begin? So, Aaron, taxes. Is start with taxes. A Hartford native, he's a he's a longtime community leader. He's an educator. Um, he started the Scribes Institute, which is a private uh, school for um, uh, younger children uh, to help them with reading to supplement their reading. So that's a school in Hartford. Um, he has been at everything. You know, the, these last couple of years during the lockdowns, I can't tell you how many days I spent up at the Capitol yelling at that building.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. And, me too. Uh, you
3: know, and, and one of the things that really caught my eye was that, you know, Aaron was always there. He was always there, whether it was the religious exemption, whether it's, you know, cannabis stuff, all these things. He's there, he's on the ground, he's speaking out. Um, You know, he's not a hidden figure like so many politicians are that just come out when, oh, well, it's election time, time to come out for the photo ops and, you know, shake some hands. But Aaron's been there on the ground with us the last two years. And so, um, you know, cannabis stuff, he's in line with the libertarian thinking. This is a a health issue, not a a criminal issue. Uh, Taxes, the 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 better. You know, we're libertarians. Taxation is theft. Uh, It is an absolute crime to, uh, when you look at it, every time we turn around, they're taking our money. When we make money, they tax us on payroll. When we buy a house, they tax that property. When we buy a car, we pay sales tax on it. Then we pay tax to have that in our property tax in the town. And then we pay tax in the gas tax for the roads to use the car we've already done. And if someone realistically looks down and looks at how much they pay out in taxes, the average person is giving 40% in a of year, their earnings yeah. of the you earn and work eventually will go to a tax and it's not like your payroll tax. You see that come right out, you know, that right off the top. But again, the gas tax, the property tax, even things like, you know, fishing licenses or the town beach at my town, my property. Yeah. was oh, big time. But I still have to pay $25 for a parking sticker or $25 right. to rent the pavilion when my kid wants to have a birthday. I mean, Here's a great one. There's a handful of states, this most recent $10,000 loan forgiveness for the student loans. Oh, yes. There's half a dozen states that are going to tax that as income. So the individual person did not receive 10,000 physical dollars. It was simply written off as debt, Right. But come the end of the year, it's going to be $10,000 reported as income, which is going to add a couple thousand dollars to everyone's tax bill. So they That's think ridiculous. they got the handout and, and they're going to end up paying more next year. Again, because of tax laws, because every time you turn around, they've got their handout for something.
1: Well, I've lived in four four different states, five different states, right? And Connecticut is the only state I've ever lived in. Where you pay sales tax on your car when you buy it, which every state you do. And then you pay every year after that, another tax. I've never had that in any other case. Even California didn't do it. Nevada didn't do it. Florida didn't do it. And Puerto Rico, certainly does not do it as a matter of fact if you want to go to a state with good tax benefits this is the place to be um you know you buy your car once you pay for insurance when you register your car and it's 150 dollars a year period everybody pays the same amount 150 a year every year when you register your car That's it. You get your choice of six different insurance companies that you can pick, but they're all the same price. I've never lived in a state where they taxed my office equipment, even though I paid the sales tax when I went to Staples or bought that printer or whatever it was. And then every year I'm getting a bill from the state telling me I have to pay taxes on my office equipment. That's why I left. Do you know what I mean? Screw you you know and where's the money go we're all paying these crazy taxes and fees you know don't forget you got to pay to register the car don't forget you got to pay get your license got to pay for your dog license you know you got to license everything <clears throat> where does the money go what is he doing what are they doing with that money why is the state still broke when they're taking 40 percent of your wages That's what I want to know. And why aren't the people questioning that? I don't get it. I just don't get it. And uh, so to me, that's kind of why I left Connecticut was because of the taxes. And I just couldn't afford to live there anymore. I love the state. I love it's beautiful. We were just talking in the beginning about how beautiful the state is, especially in the fall. But it's not worth it. You don't get what you pay for. You know, and you got to go where you're treated well. You know, that's the way I look at it. So as far as. Yeah, go ahead.
3: I was just going to say, you know, the bottom line is when it comes to government programs, there's no motivation to succeed. It's not like there is with private business. Right. If the government puts in a program and it fails. Well, then they'll just take some more of your money and, you know, throw that at it and and come up with another cockamamie plan that doesn't work. There's no accountability at the end of the day when your revenue stream can be manipulated at any time. They can raise those taxes. They can do whatever they want at any time. And um, rather than the customer, you and I, being able to have, you know, a voice, if we don't comply, we're threatened with incarceration. Right. Right. You know.
1: And then how are you going to pay those taxes if you're in jail? <laughs> you know. So, um, all right. So, as far as taxing goes, what what is the libertarian view is it a flat tax? I mean, the government does need money to run, let's put it that way, even though I think they take a lot more money than they need because you know, realistically, if people knew the role of government, they're really just supposed to be administrators. They're not supposed to tell you how to think. They're not supposed to tell you what your values should be. That was never in their job description. And if you look at it from a strictly administrative point of view, where they're supposed to take care of the infrastructure, they're supposed to make sure you got health care, they're not doing a great job. They're, yeah. they're focusing more on cultural and social issues than they are really on the hard line economic issues. And that's where we're, we're, that's why people, are, their eyes are not on the ball. They don't really see what's happening right in front of their eyes. I mean, I know you like to call it a duopoly. I call it a monopoly because if you look at the donors who contribute to both of the parties, they're the same people. Republicans are taking money from Pfizer as much as Democrats are, you know, Um, so it's it it is it is a monopoly as far as I'm concerned, because it's the same corporations that are controlling um, the politics on both sides. You know, you just got all you got to do is look up your legislators and look up your politicians and see who their donors are and then look on both sides of the fence and you're going to see a lot of the same names so they you know they definitely hedge their bets by playing both teams you know what i mean and oh, yeah. uh, and then we don't even want to get above that where the world economic forum and all that kind of stuff but you know that's a whole nother level of monopolistic control that people don't even get you know because at the end of the day they're all answering to the federal reserve they're all answering to the IRS the same people um but anyway so let's say aaron what what the we were talking earlier about how Connecticut really screwed up this cannabis thing um with their lotteries with giving licenses to out of state people giving a bunch of licenses to multi state operators What's the libertarian view? How would Aaron or any libertarian change what they're doing? I mean, you know how the laws are structured now. They're going to be taking tons of taxes, charging tons of fees just to be get in the industry. What would be the libertarian way? What would a libertarian candidate, let's say Aaron do to change all that?
3: I have said myself many times, um, and, and Aaron is basically on the same page um, from discussions that we ha- have had. But that bill that was 300 pages right. uh, should, should have been about three sentences. Adult cannabis use is now legal in the state of Connecticut. All offenders with prior uh, um, records, you know, nonviolent records are expunged. Um, we missed the boat. On so many different things, you know, I, I there's they spent all of this time and, and all of these pages to write in all of this equity. But it, it's not equity when you need the kind of money that they're asking for for these licenses.
1: Absolutely know? not.
3: And it, it's, you know, the libertarian stance on most businesses, most business licensing doesn't need to exist. Now, I did that with this caveat in cannabis it is a little bit different. We can't, we, we, we can't go too far wide open because federally it's still illegal, right? right. So there, there has to be some sort of oversight. It can't just be complete anarchy. Um, but to not have, you know, I one of the things I think that we missed the boat on big time was um, you craft cannabis.
1: Well, this you is know, right this is the big thing i mean
3: wineries, all these things and and connecticut you know if we want uh uh to to do some of the you know i i would like to see small operators small growers you, you know farm to table kind of stuff a place like a like a brewery but a a, a farm that grows you know, right? Or something or shop. I mean, imagine the cute little quaint places we could have along the shoreline and different things. And you know, that's something that the other states around us don't have. And that's, well, that's the thing. If everyone around us is is going legal, then what are we going to do that separates our cannabis from others?
1: Right. right. I mean, I think the way the state structured, yes, they did create a multi uh, micro cultivator license. But I see the licenses they gave out went to out-of-state people. Yep. I mean, so how are you going to be supporting these people in Connecticut, your own own citizens, your own constituents? You're supposed to be giving the licenses out to them, but they end up going to third-party people who don't even live in the state. I don't know how that gets by the social equity council. But to me, they we, we need to support the people who have already been doing it. They put the dispensary license fees so far out of reach that there can be no such thing as a mom and pop dispensary. Yeah. There really can't be here in Connecticut. But yet there's a mom and pop liquor store, no problem, right? I mean, if you go in and look up the fees to get a liquor license and compare them to the fees to get a cannabis license, there's quite a disparity between the numbers, you know? And I understand they don't want a a, uh, a dispensary on every corner like, uh, like there are liquor stores, but... There is a happy medium somewhere in between because the way it's looking now, all I'm thinking we're going to be seeing as far as dispensaries go is big corporate places where you, you know, you're going to be paying top dollar. The quality is probably not going to be that good. They're going to be bringing in out-of-state products, you know, like some of these celebrity branded cannabis and they're not yeah. using local people to supply because the cultivators looks like they're all going to be corporate too so we've already been stuck under this corporate monopoly of the medical program for at least five six years now and people who haven't been around as long don't realize that it wasn't always that way it wasn't always corporate controlled you know uh, we started out with four, growers who were all from Connecticut, all the dispensary people were from Connecticut, but slowly the state let them sell out to big corporations. And, And we've been stuck with this for five, six years now. And we see the quality of the medicine is terrible. People are complaining left and right. And the state does absolutely nothing about it. And all I can see is the same thing for the legal industry. And and you know, I was telling Lou before, I almost feel bad that I supported this bill. You know, maybe I needed to—I owe them, or maybe I owe the people of Connecticut an apology because had I known that they were going to screw it up this badly, I never would have supported the bill the way I did.
3: It it was a bill that commercialized cannabis. Yeah not a bill
1: that legalized right and now they're going on the on the hunt for all the craft growers and all the legacy growers you know making these gifting events illegal and i don't know if you've ever been to any of these gifting events but i mean they're like a farmer's market they're like the way it should be you know and there are other states like oregon who actually do allow people to sell at the farmer's market who their licenses are actually reasonable Now they've ended up with a glut of cannabis because they gave out too many, but maybe you've got to learn from those type of states that have more of that farming attitude. And and the worst travesty is they don't even let the hemp farmers who are already existing here in Connecticut participate. I mean, they don't, they didn't even give them, even New York gave the hemp farmers first crack at it. I mean, we just we just look at our hemp farmers like, oh, isn't that nice? You know, it's a whole separate thing. We barely see any support from the state for the hemp farmers. I mean, is that something that Aaron or, or Libertarian, you know, would kind of look into? Uh, I,
3: I would say, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, yeah,
1: that's I, that's the way it should ahead. be. That's
3: well, I. The um so Larry Sharp, who has been petitioning to uh, get on the ballot as governor in New York, who's again, the duopoly has shut him out. He went in with twice as many signatures as was required. And they just got out the red pen and started throwing them out left and right and denied him the access. So um, but, you know, he always says if, if you can grow it like an onion, regulate it like an onion.
1: Right. Right. It should be an agricultural product, just like anything else, and and we haven't even discussed how big pharma wants it.
3: My local farmers' market, you know, and being able to get something fresh and local, and you know all the things that we value in our food, right? And what's happening here is the same thing that's happening with our food supply. You know, eventually. Uh, if things keep going the way that, uh, you know, Connecticut has them going and all this over-regulation and all this, you know, giving the licenses to the big guys by the end of the, you know, five years from now, all our wheat's going to come from general mills and it's going to be loaded with glyphosate, just like our damn Cheerios are that we're feeding to our kids and getting them all sick. Like, you know, it's yeah. (laughs) And
1: there won't be any other options except to go back to the street and get it, you know? And um, that's why I kind of like these different gifting events and stuff, because you didn't have to meet somebody in the back alley or, you know, you could just go there and and meet people and and socialize. And and it was like a farmer's market It was very, very cool, you know, and uh, it, you know, that's the way I think it should be done. I'm not saying there isn't because I mean, look, you know, I hate to I get a lot of heat when I say this, but. You're not going to get rid of the corporate guys because I mean, I don't think the craft beer industry is fighting Budweiser. I don't think they're fighting Miller, even though they did lobby against them. Um, It's you have to create and I mean, the craft beer industry, people don't realize they fought their asses off to get to where they are now. There was a time in the state where it was legal to brew, but not legal to sell. They fought their asses off for years to get to where they are today. And I think the can, you know, they were fighting the big monopolies. They were fighting Coors. They were fighting Budweiser because that was the lobby that was against them. They ended up being victorious, but that doesn't mean that Budweiser isn't still in the liquor stores or Miller or Coors. It's just another option. And we see in Connecticut, people are choosing the craft option. And I think they would do the same with cannabis if they had that option. But when you're only giving out five craft licenses, five micro licenses, and half of them are going to out-of-state people, you're just not serving your, your constituents, and that's why, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the best thing that could happen to Connecticut is to get Ned Lamont out of there. And, and I'm not saying Bob Stefanowski is a better choice because to me, they're both just businessmen. You know, I don't know what they've ever done to help their communities. But if you look into both the histories of their former companies, you know, you'll see some shadiness. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. So. Um,
3: well, yeah. if, you, if you look into the background of, of Dr. Aaron Lewis um, for governor, what you're going to find is a man with a history of community service, like I say, building schools, um, missionary trips all around the globe. Um, you know, a man that really truly is a man of the people that, like I said, has been there shoulder to shoulder with us fighting these issues for years um, and being unapologetic about it right and being bold. Um, so yeah, I guess in, in, our last couple of minutes here, that's my, you know, I've got to give my last plug for, uh, for Dr. Lewis, but. Yeah, please. Um,
1: and you, you know, too. And now what, how about you and your, your congressional district? You will be on the ballot, correct?
3: I will be on the ballot. Uh, that is correct. Um, to be a hundred percent open. Uh, I'm, far more passionate and uh, concerned and knowledgeable about uh, state politics, right? Mm -hmm. As most libertarians are, and as libertarians, um, you know, don't hurt other people, don't take their stuff. We want as few taxes as possible and we want the smallest government possible. We want as much local control as possible. So my personal passions align much more so in the state. Um, But again, because of the challenges that we face as third parties, The uh, conditional district to ballot access is one of the few that we have that we currently hold. Um, We have a a great candidate, uh, Dan, man named Dan Real, who has run several times for that seat uh, and done very well and, and done enough that we've received enough votes that like I say, we have that automatic ballot access. Now he's chosen not to run this time around, uh, so I've put my name up and I am running um, basically to try to save that ballot access for us and uh, to offer people a protest vote, because right now the choices are uh, Joe Courtney and, and Mike France. And, uh, you know, like I say, with Courtney um, and the Democrats, you you know what you're getting. He's been there a long time. So there's mm-hmm. no need to rehash it. It's all right there in the open. Um, you know, Mike France, I've met him a couple times Um there are some things that I I like him on, but we certainly have uh, areas that we differ. Um, One of the big ones is probably the anti-war platform. Mm. Um, Another one being, you know, it's not just cannabis, but as a libertarian, I want to see the decriminalization of all victimless crimes. Right. There's, I'm not hurting anybody that my tag is expired. I'm not hurting anybody that I, you know, uh, have a, a blinker light out. I'm not hurting anybody Um, because I'm trying to open a nail salon and I didn't have the $2,000 that I'm going to have to give to the state and the town and everything else for a license. So I just start doing nails in my house and I'm not paying taxes on it, you know, uh, that sort of thing. Um, You know, no victim, no crime, no victim, no crime.
1: Well, the Um, state will say they're the victim because they're not getting their taxes. You have to understand that.
3: (laughs) Well, but it's funny They're but they're not the victim. They're the robber.
1: Oh, well, yes. they're, you don't they're, have to convince the me.
3: That are, are, I mean, when you extrapolate it right down to its very finest, they're the ones coming in and threatening us with a weapon <laughs> and the threat of incarceration. Should we not hand over, um, you know, uh, the money that we earned that they feel that they're entitled to? So um you, you, no, the robber can't be the the, the victim here. I'm sorry, I, I yeah just I buy. agree with
1: you. I just said the state would say that. I don't think I don't agree with it, <laughs> but uh, you know, the state likes to uh, to be in charge of everything. So I think you know as far as I you know as as far as um you know I'm concerned, I think we just have to get to a point and not only in this state but in this country where we're just sick and tired i don't know if people are there yet and they're willing to look at another choice do you know what i mean i mean that's... Well, but they,
3: they can be that sick and tired and be willing to look at the other choice but then they have the have the guts to pull that lever regardless
1: right stop well right
3: being afraid of the defensive voting right and, and to make that stand you know
1: right i mean i look at the presidential race right okay so connecticut's a blue state they're hey, we're going to go for Biden no matter what. Their electors were already in the pocket before the election even started. Why not throw the third party a vote? That's the way I figured it, because then that's what I did, you know, throw the third party a vote because your one vote, two votes, three votes gets you closer to that percentage that you need You know, every year, maybe if you get a few more percentage points of the blow, they're going to start taking you seriously. You know what I mean? And that's why I always vote third party candidates, unless I feel real strongly. And I haven't in many years about a Republican or Democrat. So, um, all right. So how does one find out a little bit more about your campaign and more about Aaron's campaign? So maybe they can make an intelligent choice.
3: Uh, the best two places to be would go to uh, LPCT.org, which is the Libertarian Party of Connecticut website. Um, and for Dr. Lewis's campaign, you can go to LewisForGovernor.com.
1: Lewis for Governor. And you're on social media so they can look it up on Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Join. Yes. The groups, join the page. Do all that. I encourage people to go out and do your research and don't be afraid to throw your vote to a third party, especially if you're tired. Bill, thank you so much for coming on. Uncle Lou, we'll talk to you next week. Check us out, Greenhaven Media on all social media, Cannabis Corner Radio, and you can check me out at Joe the Weed Guy. So Bill, thanks again. And we'll see everybody next week. Remember, vote Aaron Lewis for governor. Take care now.
0: But then I got high. My room is still messed up. And I know why. Why, man? Yeah, hey. Because I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. la da 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 I was going to go to class before I got high. Come on, y'all. Check it out. I could have cheated and I could have passed. But I got high. Uh, uh, La, da, I'm ta-da-da. taking it next semester, and I know why. why, man, why? Yeah, hey, cause I because I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. Go to the next. Go to the next. Go to the next. Uh. I was going to go to court before I got high. <laughs> uh. I was going to pay my child support, but then I got high. No, you wouldn't. Uh. I took my whole paycheck, <laughs> and I know why, why yeah, Hey, because I got high, because I got high, because I got high, I wasn't gonna run from the cops, but I was high. <laughs> uh, I'm serious.